Hey theater people, Patrick here. Just a quick request before we get to today's episode with Montego. So a few weeks I asked our listeners, you guys, to help us get to 100 reviews on iTunes. Well, we quickly blew that out of the water. We are currently just over 150 reviews, which is amazing. So now I'm wondering if we can get to 200 reviews. Again, the only reason this matters to us is because our ranking on iTunes relates directly to the number of reviews we have. And the higher our ranking, the easier it is for fellow theater people to find our show. Reviewing us is super easy. Just search iTunes for Theater People Podcast. When you find us, click Reviews, then click Write a Review, and then click the number of stars you think we deserve. And that's it. You don't have to write a single word. The whole thing takes five seconds. So just hit pause right now and go do it. We love you, theater people. Okay, now to the show. Yeah. I'm Lin-Manuel Miranda. I'm Celia Keenan-Bolter. This is Queen Leslie. I'm Robin DeJesus. I'm Aaron Davey. Hi, this is Ellen Marie Marsh. I'm LaShawn. I'm Telly Leung. Hi, I'm Eden Espinosa. I'm Laura Osnes. I'm Katie Finnerin. Hi, I'm Tanya Pinkins. I'm Karen Olivo, and you are listening to the Theater People Podcast. Hello, fellow theater people. Welcome to the Theater People Podcast. I'm Patrick Hines, your host. Let me tell you a little something about today's guest, Montego Glover. Few times in my life have I encountered a person with such sparkle. Even now, thinking back on the 90 minutes or so that I got to spend with her while recording this interview, I'm beaming. She is all positive energy, laughs, hugs, fun times, and inspiration. I know, it sounds like I'm pouring it on a little thick here, but just take a listen to this episode and I promise you'll understand what I mean. Montego is currently starring in It Should Have Been You on Broadway, which is very sadly closing on August 4th. She made her Broadway debut understudying Lashans as Seeley in The Color Purple. She next appeared on Broadway in the star-making turn as Felicia in Memphis. She, of course, was Tony-nominated for her performance, and the show won the Tony for Best Original Musical that year. The year, by the way, was 2009. Neither one of us were exactly sure when we spoke about it for this interview. Montego was such a delight. Here's our conversation. Montego Glover, hi. hi, welcome to the Theater People Podcast. I'm super excited. I was going to almost just say nice to meet you, but it's more like nice to see you again. It's nice to see you. We're like that, Patrick. I love it. We're best friends now, you guys. Me and Montego Glover go way back to about two weeks ago. We sat together at Martha's event at 54 Below. Oh my God. The funny thing was, we sat down and, and we were we thought we were at a table for three, sure. and they came over to us and they're like, um, we're going to put more two more people with you guys and we're like oh well this is kind of a small well okay I hope they're fun and then it was you and Constantine (laughs) Marulis and I was like wait a minute this this couldn't be better this is like the funnest thing possible so then you guys sat down and I was like "Uh, hi and And so my my producer Mike was there and of course we know all about you guys my friend my friend Eric who like doesn't know much about the world of theater when you guys weren't looking I was like okay this is who they are this is what they've done and it was so you guys were so and I went like right into interview viewer mode and oh I was like god. tell me everything oh about my you. gosh this is so fun Wait, I learned something amazing about you at that at that event you did oh yeah. no well something so interesting was just that you um, and Jesse Tyler Ferguson were roommates when you first moved to New York yeah we were roommates how did that happen it was amazing we actually had um, friends in common and I was living in this beautiful little brownstone apartment in Brooklyn and uh, Jesse and I have a friend in common and a friend in common was like hey my friend Jesse's looking for a place and I was like well, I'm looking for a roommate. Um, let's chat. 
And we did. And I was like, I totally love this guy. That's so We're gonna funny. We're going to And we did. And he's been a dear friend ever since. And that's been a bazillion years ago. It's There's something about New York <laughs> where, like, the really talented people are, like, drawn to each other, I yes. feel like. It, like, it doesn't surprise me to find out that you guys were once roommates. <laughs> and you both went on to have these, like, incredible careers. It's kind of crazy. Because, like... You know, he, he's Jesse Tyler Ferguson, like, right. Modern Family, Spelling Bee, so on and so forth. But he's still, like, my friend Jesse. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's funny because he's a, a, a good friend of a friend of mine. Sure. So I feel like he has no idea who I am. <laughs> right. I, I feel like I know him. So when he walked into the event and he walked right past me, I was like, oh, no, nope. you don't know me. Nope. <laughs> nope. Still don't know me. You've not been formally introduced. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what, what song did you sing at that event? I sang... Um, oh, what's that song? Rihanna, Stay. Oh, my God, that's Stay. right. And you killed it. Oh, my gosh. Martha Plimpton should just be, like, <sighs> we, just given a medal I for know. the incredible amount of fun yes. and excitement that she can generate. And mm-hmm. her friends and people that she's like, hey, you know, come play at, you know, 54 Below or some venue and let's just do this thing. And let's do it for a really amazing cause. Do you know that she, she spent today, she spent 90 minutes on the phone with the Attorney General <laughs> talking about reproductive rights and women's health? Not at all surprised. Nope. Her, it's all in a day's work. Yeah, I it know. It really is. Her commitment to that cause is, uh, it's like nothing I've ever seen. I, yeah. It is so inspiring to yeah. me. And really tremendous. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. she's really had a hand and continues to have a hand and involves, you know, her friends and her colleagues in in something truly important. I know. She, like, when she was doing her TV show before, she would mm-hmm. do, like, an entire season of that show yeah. and then go to Capitol Hill I mean, and, like, talk to senators, like, on her down. I, yeah. I'm, I am blown away by her. I've had the privilege of knowing her for a couple years now. Yeah. And I, every time I get a chance to talk to her, I'm like, you're awesome. That's, the first, <laughs> that's, that's how we're going to open this conversation. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, Let's talk about Montego Glover. Hi, Hi. so nice to meet. Nope, nope. So nice to see you again. You're in already. You're in already. You're there. You're there. Well, I want to. I have to talk about it. Should have been you. Please let's because I cannot get enough of talking about this show. (laughs) I am crazy about this show. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. And one of the reasons I love it so much is because I I think it is so incredibly positive. I think it's so positive. I think you know. I think um, for people who don't know maybe a lot about this show. It's mm-hmm. easy to go into it thinking it's going to be like a fun comedy farcical, and it is that, but yes. it's also really deep yeah. and like has a big um, message. Yes, yes. How did you come to be involved in the show? Um, I was doing a really beautiful play at the Old Globe uh, in the fall, and it came across my desk. I got a call from my agent going, hey, you know, this new piece is coming up. There's interest in seeing you. Are you available? Could you do it? And I was like, I'm still here, you know, in California at the, at the Old Globe doing this play, um, so I can't get there. But when I'm back, I'd love to be seen if they're still looking. And don't you know, I mean, you know, as an actor, you have to make some decisions sometimes. And I really wanted to be in the room and really present for everyone in the way that I thought was best. And um, I finished the play at the Old Globe. It was a great success. I got back to New York, and I got a call from my agent going, they're still looking. Wow. Did you come in? I was like, oh, I was so shocked because I just knew they would find someone. Someone yeah. incredible, probably a friend of mine. Right. going to be, of like, course. cheering. You know what I mean? Be like, oh, my gosh, I'm so excited that you got this piece, blah, blah, blah. I was so shocked. They're still looking. And I was like, uh, yeah. Was this for the in. pre-Broadway run at the George Street, or was this for the Broadway no, run? No, this is Broadway. Oh, wow. This is Broadway. 
Um, so I came in and I met DHP and the gang and David Hyde Pierce, DHP, uh, the director. David Hyde Pierce, our director. <laughs> I was like, wait, who is that? Who is that? Who is oh, that? Right. Mm, that's what we call it. We call it DHP. <laughs> um, I met he and the gang. We sang, we read, and I came back and did it again the next day. And then that was that. Yeah, it's hard. it's a little bit difficult to talk about the show without revealing <laughs> too much. See, I think it's really easy to talk about the show. You do absolutely. Well, I mean, I could talk about it like for. Ever, yeah, but it's you know, like I have to be careful to talk around <laughs> certain plot points. But you know, I was watching um, some videos of you guys in rehearsal, yes, uh, in the beginning, and it looks like the most fun show ever to rehearse ever on Broadway. It was the most fun to rehearse. First of all, when you have someone like David Hyde Pierce at the helm, he is brilliant and bright and so compassionate and smart. He's also enormously funny and very silly and he has these great ways of sort of um, developing an intuitive sense between actors because he's the same way with actors so we would do things like play a full-on game of volleyball before rehearsal. There's a video of, like, you and Harriet Harris and Tyne Daly, like, playing volleyball. It's amazing. Full tilt serving volleyball. Oh, oh, and rotating correctly. Oh, yes, rotation. You guys know the proper rotation for a volleyball game. Full on doing it. It's great. It's great fun. It gets everybody in the room. It gets everybody focused. But it also get, gave us a very um, kinetic sense of one another. Particularly helpful with the ensemble cast. You know, there are only 13 of us playing 15 roles. Mm-hmm. And it's really important that we be able to tune in to one another. Because the, the nature of the piece depends on it. Yeah. Um, the, the movement of the comedy, the farcical element, um, the telling of the story. It all depends on, on the movement. On us really being able to flow with each other. Yeah, it's, it, it seems like that sort of, like there's a lot of, if you feel it watching the show, that there's a lot of balls in the air. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's a metaphor, but it's yes, real. metaphor, a volleyball yeah. volleyball. Yes, there's a lot of balls in the air and they have to stay up and we really have to set each other up and, and you know, follow follow energy. And then take in that, that delicious, unknowable element of our audience every night. Yeah, well, I was going to say that like, it seems that there might be a tried and true way to rehearse comedy. I don't know, but it seems <laughs> like, but what I was thinking was that like, did, was there a lot of talk about the deeper elements? Like how did you guys, how did you approach that side of, of the show? We did quite a bit of table work about the story itself. What happens the day before the day of the wedding? What what the rehearsal dinner was like? Lots of exercises with that. Interesting. Really? Yes, yes, yes. Because Lisa Howard points out that it kind of happens in real time. Yes. It's a wedding that kind of yes. happens. So we don't get to see the rehearsal dinner. No. Or the, so I'm sorry, I interrupted, but no, that's no, no. so interesting. Yes, yes, yes. We did a lot of table work about the day before, the times before, the history of these characters, how they know each other, how their lives have linked up, so that when we land on the downbeat, the day of the wedding, when you guys meet us, yeah. we have all that history with us. It's really important. Otherwise, you can't uh, stir the pot like you need to. Mm-hmm. You know, you spend a lot of time get sort of in an expository mode when you don't need to. If you have it there already and everybody's on the same page and understands, then we can agree and, and present to you what happens on your, on the real down. That's so interesting. I was reading you talking a little bit about um, the, the uh, preview process and yes. how you guys would sometimes get like, you would work all day on new pages that weren't going in until the next day. So you would have to work for nine hours on new pages and then do the old stuff that night. Yes. And I was thinking how hard that must have been for a show like this where be, because they're in the middle of the show that 
the action shifts mm-hmm. that like every word has to be intentional. Yes. How yes. was that? It was, you know what I call it? I call it thinking cap stuff. Mm-hmm. Like you really have to come to work, particularly on previews with a show. You really have to come to work every day with your thinking cap on. I can't yeah. think of a better way to describe it. Just really focused on what the task is for the day and make your proper notes. And everybody does it differently. You know, some people need to write incessantly. Some people need to log it in in their brains and sit quietly. Some people need to go into like, you know, headphones and, you know, their music mode, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But everybody's dialing in the way they need to. And then separate that from what's happening at night. Because we're learning in both cases. We're learning about the show, what works, what doesn't, what arcs we still need to fix, so on and so forth. So it's it's like two um, avenues running parallel to each other, but at slightly different speeds. I mean, it takes a certain brain, I think, to <laughs> be does. able to, like, I, I read that you had, like, sometimes during previews, like, cheat sheets, like, oh, off, oh. off stage, where you'd, like, <laughs> like, run your lines, like, the minutes before you had to go on and do it. Yes, like, seriously, a cheat sheet, like, what do we do today? This Okay, this is in, this is not in. Don't say that line. Do not say that line. You know what I mean? Because someone, you've screwed us all. You know what I mean? Uh, You know, it's so funny. We tell a funny story. Like, there were lyrics changing in songs a lot. Just to, again, further better the show. And so... In our pit behind um, Larry Yerman, our music director, are like taped up lyrics where, you know, you can just check in to be wow. sure that you still got the right ones. They're all but one set have come down at this point. So this is good. Yes. This is good. We're doing <laughs> great. Progress. <laughs> 1% better every day. Oh, my gosh. So good, guys. So good. <laughs> I was thinking that this has to be the greatest assembled cast on Broadway, oh. certainly of this season, potentially of any, like, recent season. I mean, it's you and Sierra Bagas and... And Tyne Daly and Harriet Harris and David Burkda and Chip Zion. Like, I'm sure I'm leaving people out. Oh my gosh, Josh Grizzetti yes. and Michael X. Martin, Nick Spangler, Edward Hibbert. Yes. Like, it's beyond. It How, really is. What kind of creative energy did you, was it like, I mean, I would imagine like the rehearsal process of any show is intense, yeah. but with that level of talent, and just seasonness that you all bring. How was it different for you than other 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 shows that you've worked on? You know what? It it wasn't different because I've had the great privilege of always being in the room with people that I want to be in the room with, that I respect and admire, and feeling like there was a place for me at the table and a place for everyone else at the table. What's really incredible about this is that you would think with a company like this one, oh, I left out Adam Heller and Anne L. Nathan. Yes. Oh, yes. I love it. Oh, I love it. I love it. Who doesn't love Anne I know. She goes to my gym, too. Oh, my God. Yes. And she kills it. She She's does kill it. Um, but you, you come in, and these people have so much pedigree and so much experience that it creates a certain amount of calm mm-hmm. because everyone is really clear about what their gifts are, what they're contributing. And because they're so confident, they're able to play. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no anxiety about the creative process. It's just about getting in yeah. and doing what you do well and then improving on some things you do well and then learning some new fun stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, of like course. It's, it's the best kind of sandbox. Yeah. Um, I was thinking that, like, okay, so I love any set where it's a bunch of doors. You know what I mean? Because you know some shenanigans are going to happen. I'm wondering, has, like, anything gone hilariously wrong? Is there any story you can tell about, like... Uh, there's comedy. There's com- it's comedy. It's a comedy, guys. It's a comedy. Yeah, exactly. Comedy on stage. Comedy off. Come to laugh, please. Yes, come, come to laugh. laugh. Um, and do it loudly. Yes, there is. Yes, the, yes. Uh, first of all, the first time we got on set, um, because again, and people who are actors know this, 
people who are not, please understand. Like you're in a rehearsal hall for weeks and weeks and weeks, and everything's taped out on the floor, and you got stand-in stuff. And we had some stand-in door. Then we get to the deck, and it's first of all enormous and beautiful. Yes, it and is. And we were just there were funny moments. The doors on our set open a certain way, and everybody had to get accustomed to the way the doors open, depending on if you're on the set proper or if you're coming from quote unquote off stage or outside the quote room into uh-huh. oh my gosh there were so many moments where people <laughs> were supposed to like open a door and start talking and then like, you could just see the door like and then they would get it and they'd come in like exhausted because it took like 10 minutes to remember which way the door opens or you're supposed to make a hasty exit and you forget which way the door opens so either you open it onto your face or you open it like you go to open it and it doesn't go oh my god door, you're supposed to slam it it doesn't slam it pops back up like just crazy moments we just had to stop and laugh at each other and then just focus again and just try it again we also had a time in previews where there are the doors function independently but then they also work together as a unit and automation so they will move apart there are sets of doors that move apart as a unit um, automatically and we had a preview where the automatic door function stopped working. It just stopped working. So whole sequences, whole bits. This thing during around. a live show. Oh, paying audience. This is a preview. <laughs> we're just trying to work it out. Everybody's got the thinking caps on. We're all, our brains are like frying in our heads. And Lyric sheets hung everywhere. Hung everywhere. People got stuff under things off stage, like checking in, so on and so forth. And then the automation stops working. And we're like, uh, we're stopping, right? We're stopping. Nope, we're not stopping. We do not have an intermission, so we can't even like, you know, just bear down and get to intermission and then fix it let the crew right. get on oh, it that's right. oh no no oh no no so we proceed all 13 of us to like reblock the show on the fly around these not functioning doors that are an integral part of the show oh my that's why you get the professionals <laughs> comedy kids comedy and uh, yeah and the audience had a great time you know what I mean like they had a great time no one was the wiser uh, um, nothing is better as an audience member than like when something goes wrong and people break. I know <laughs> actors hate to do it. Patrick, you can't do I it. Know. It's so unprofessional. I know. So unprofessional. I remember one time I saw Wicked and Kristen Chenoweth's um, high heel got stuck in the stage. <laughs> and she just stood there like, well, now what am I going to do? Like, it's just, <laughs> just, you you just love that as an audience. You're you like, do. Yeah. You do. And then we certainly have, you know, moments, things are flying off or, you know what I mean? Like a prop goes crazy or, you know what I mean? Water spills. You're like, oh no, not water. You know, right. on the floor. Oh God, what are we going to do? You know, yeah. But those are those are two that stand out for sure. I love it. All I can say is go see this show. Yes. I am an ambassador for the United Nations for this show. I like <laughs> love this show so much. Everybody run and get a ticket. It's my favorite. It's so great. It's just it's full of like joy and heartwarming like moments. It's funny. It is. It's so about every family. It's about family. It's about weddings. It's, it's about chaos. It's about love. It's, yeah. You know, and it's every person who I think who comes to see our show will will look at this cast of characters and go, I am that person or I know someone just totally. like Totally. And I, th- I say, see it and then see it again. Yeah. When you see it a second time, I only saw it once, but I went in with some knowledge. Yeah. So I was seeing it differently, I think, than some people might see sure. it the first time. And like, I, again, it's funny. It's very, 
very funny, but I was consistently moved. Like, every scene. I was oh my like, God. oh, I'm crying right now. <laughs> Listen, I had a friend who saw it. He came and he's like, oh my gosh, I was laughing so hard. And then I realized I was crying. Yeah. Because I was so moved by that entire moment or that thought yeah. or that character. Yeah. You know, you meet this wonderful group of people who are all gathered, you know, for this really momentous occasion. And over the course of the evening, you realize you care very much about all of them. Absolutely. And it's great. It's a wonderful evening at the theater. It really is. Yeah. And I'm probably a teeny bit biased, but I don't think so. <laughs> well, you know what else? It's one of those, like, 90 minutes, you're in, you're Ooh. out. And who doesn't love a show? It's like 90 minutes, you're in, you're out. And, then <laughs> and, you, and it's good. Like and you, it's so good. You don't go, oh, I wish we had 20 more minutes. I feel like there's some things we didn't quite get. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. Half an hour more yeah. would have been no, great. We covered it all. Nope, we got it covered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, can we go back and talk about you a little bit? Let's do. Oh, you flattered me, sir. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Mostly nice like. things. <laughs> Um, okay, so you grew up in Florida? No, you grew up in Georgia. I grew up in Tennessee. Okay, you grew, grew up, up in Tennessee. Tennessee. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's okay. I was born in Georgia and raised in Tennessee. When did Tennessee. you discover, when did you get the bug? Oh my gosh, the bug probably landed on me. If I'm telling the truth, I remember as far back as I can remember, um, sitting down to public television and watching orchestras and symphonies and plays and being so transformed by the storytelling in that setting. Just That's wonderful. Amazing. Public television, I'm telling you. And it was great, you know? And then um, I had the great opportunity to attend a really amazing school in my hometown, Chattanooga, Tennessee, um, called the Chattanooga School for the Arts and Sciences. And it was a school devoted to well-rounded education, well-rounded education. And I started studying theater as a discipline. Um, I was 12 years old. And I started taking acting classes, and something cracked open. Wow! And I've been there ever since. And then you went to you went to college for it. Yeah, I did, it, it dawned on me that I really loved dance, and I really loved music, and I really loved acting. It didn't dawn on me that there was a way to do all three of those things, mm-hmm. but I really was sure that I wanted to go to acting school. Yeah, that was it. How how did you make your way to New York? Oh my gosh! You know, it, some people go straight away, and some people take a nice scenic route. <laughs> um, mine feels like a little bit of both because you know every I think every person, every artist has to find their own. Way. And for some people, getting there straight away is great. And for some people, you know, taking a little time is great. Um, I finished school. I got a job right away in Japan. And so I went there to work as a singer-dancer. It was oh, awesome. Interesting. Yeah, it was great. I loved it. I was at the, at the perfect age. I had just graduated undergrad. Um, it was a chance to go to Asia and live and work for a year. And it was wow. wonderful. What was the job? It was great. I was singing and dancing with five other singer-dancers. We were presenting this wonderful, like, American pop music review um, and we sang and danced like popular music oh, that's at the time. So it was cool. so fun. I mean, it was great. I got to you know run with these other kids, and we just got to like you know go in, sing and dance, and then go parasailing. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, go to Tokyo. In Japan, and, they and go Japan, parasailing. Parasailing. You know, we were on the island. We were in Okinawa, so that's like we got so to have this amazing. great island experience. And then on days off, you know, going to the city, also known as Tokyo, and like yeah. hang out and do your thing. Um, and then I came back to the states. I worked around the the country for another like four years, and then I was like, all right, I'm ready. I'm ready. Wow. And, and so I made the move. How long after you got to New York did you get the color purple? 
Wow. I think I was in the city. I moved. It was probably five years. Okay. It was five years. And so for the first five years, I was just getting acquainted with New York. I was auditioning like crazy. I was working all over in the regions, wow. which was wonderful. It gave me a really great education about theater around the country, being a New York-based actress, and then coming from New York and going to, you know, the Pittsburgh CLO or, or the Geffen Playhouse for six weeks, eight weeks, or two months, three months at a so time. So you were like a working back. actor. Absolutely. Did you do like the waiter thing? Did you have? Did you ever have to do like a service industry job or anything like that? I didn't. That's amazing. Because it was just, you know, it was really one project to the next to the next. I mean, my goal was always to be working 10 months of the year. And if wow. I got collectively over a year, two months total off, um, then I was doing okay. And that really is how it worked out. That is unbelievable. Yeah. So you're cast in The Color Purple, not in the original company, right? Mm. You replaced for as in an understudy for Celia and Nettie. Yes, I came into the company as a standby. They had a standby for Celia and Nettie, and the okay. same actress played both those roles as standby. Oh, okay. And, and who was doing uh, who was doing the lead role at that time? Was it uh, LaShawn's was still uh, Celia, and I count myself privileged to this day. I was going to say, can we just take a moment for LaShawn? <laughs> we had LaShawn's on the show, oh and God. it was a spiritual experience. <laughs> It was so many things. You know, yeah. it was so many things. I was making my Broadway debut. I was standing by for these two incredible roles. Yeah. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Alice Walker. Yes, you know, like I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you. I no words. Yeah. Um, and then... Alice I, Walker wrote the book, you guys, in case you don't know. Oh, uh, yes. A Pulitzer Prize winning yes. novel, by the way. Um, and there I am, learning Seely on LaShawn's. Like, I'm watching her do the work, and I'm learning it. On her, do you know what I mean? Was she kind to you? She was lovely. She was lovely, and it was so many things because, of course, I grew up listening to Once on This Island, of and so there she was. Like, there's T Moon, but then now she's this other yeah. marvelous, beautiful, fully realized. Who's about like two and a half feet tall? Two she, feet tall. She is like the sweet, the most amazing thing wrapped up in this tiny, <laughs> tiny little package. package. Yeah, you know. Um, and it was great. So I, I came in. Lashance was playing. Um, Celie uh, at the time, and Nettie was being played by another actress, uh, Darlicia Cersei, I believe that's right. Um, you're so good with names. <laughs> it's amazing to me. Um, do you. you remember the first time you went on? Yes. How yes. was that? It was really incredible. Were you, really did you feel ready? Yes, yes. And I really credit my uh, stage management staff on that show for it. I really credit the company for being so supportive. And, you know, it was the first, it was my first Broadway show, but it was also my first time covering. Yeah. I had never done that kind of work before. Will you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Um, I think it's a wonderful experience. I think, you know, if, you, if you're if you an actor and you've in the theater and you've never understudied or covered, by, by no means are you, you know, like less viable. Right. And right, it's a right. wonderful thing if you don't have to, I suppose. But but I found it hugely educational. And a lot of it because it was my first Broadway show. So it really gave me an opportunity to learn how Broadway works. Right. I was very familiar with the theater. I cut my teeth in the theater. I know what I'm doing. But the Broadway experience is a slightly different temperature and a different way of doing things than, you know, going out into a region or, you know, right. um, doing another, uh, another um, genre. Yeah. So um, I really got a chance to... to sharpen my learning skills. Um, what it, what I need to learn a role, what I need to get the music and the choreography and staging down, what I, what I need in terms of organization, how to organize your work, and how to be ready at the drop of a hat. Yeah. Um, Did you, were you on, like, were you in the ensemble regularly and then you would be called to go on in, in the case that the, the actress went out? Or were you standing by? No, standing by. My okay. job was to show up at the theater every night, no ensemble track, no other responsibilities in the play other than being ready to go on for the role of Celie or the role of Nettie. Wow. Yeah. 
And, and how many times did you go on? I don't. I, I don't even know. Like countless. <laughs> I countless. Yeah. You know what I mean? Over the over the course of my time in the show, because I entered probably a year or a little under a year after they opened, and I closed the show. Oh, wow. So I was there for closing night. Okay. And between that point and the end, I mean, honestly, I have no idea. Yeah. But it was a lot. And I, the thing is, looking back and even now, I don't feel like it was a huge weight or that it was like, oh, my God, I'm going on again. You know what I mean? Of course. It was just the work. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It was the work. And at some point, I took over the role of Nettie, actually. Oh. And I continued to stand by for Seeley. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it was, it was, it got great and then it got even more intense and wonderful and great because once I was playing Nettie every night I was still the first out the door for Seeley. Right. So it was uh, What it was a exciting. cool experience. Yeah. It was amazing. I'm so glad of it. Yeah. Yeah. So and then and then Color Purple closes and then mm-hmm. how long until Memphis? Wow. I had been working on Memphis for oh by then maybe a little time. Maybe we had done a reading or so um, but we arrived on Broadway in 2009 or 10. Is that right? I can't remember. Um, yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. <laughs> we'll, get, like, we'll, and we'll just put it in. Yeah, you know, we'll at that point, there was six, you know, altogether, Memphis had six years of development. So I was probably halfway through the process on Memphis by the time I was working on the And Club you were with Memphis from the, from, the, from the beginning of it? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So will you talk a little bit about that process? When did Memphis first come to you? Yeah. And where, where did you do it? Yeah. Um, Memphis came to me from the artistic director of the North Shore Music Theater at the time. Okay. His name was John Kimball. And I had worked a number of times at North Shore Music Theater with great success. I really enjoyed being there. That's in New Hampshire? It's in Beverly, Mass. Beverly, Mass. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, With great success. And he said, you know what? I'm thinking of producing uh, this new musical. There's a great role for you. Have a look at it and tell me what you think. I took a look at it and I was like, "This she's great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, I would love to do this. He said, well, we're going to do a reading. I did the reading and then it got a full production. The first of those was at North Shore Music Theater. And sincerely, from that reading to that production up till opening night, closing night on Broadway, I've been there. I had been there ever since. So you'd never really auditioned for it? No. Wow. No. That's incredibly. <laughs> did you ever get nervous between, like, before it came to Broadway that you would ever be replaced? Was Did that thought ever float through your head? You know what? Looking back, I wasn't. But standing here now, I thought, I'm thinking, wow. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah. I probably should have been, like, horrified. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it, it sort of wasn't. At the time, though, I have to be honest, I, I feel like at the time it really, that wasn't the temperature of things. You right, know what I mean? Yeah. And I believed so fully in the piece itself. And I so wanted to work on it as an artist, that was the most important thing to me. As long as I got another opportunity to go to the next step with it, I was happy because I was so involved and so invested in the development of the role and the development of the piece. Kim, would you mind talking a little bit just about the plot of the show? It's, it's loosely based on a true story. Is sure. That, is that right? Loosely based on a real guy mm-hmm. uh, whose name was Dewey Phillips. Dewey Phillips was a white DJ in Memphis around the 1950s. He put Elvis Presley on the radio for the first time and started playing race music for largely white audiences at a time when the nation was quite divided. Um, and so Joe DiPietro uh, wrote this incredible book, this story about this guy who, you know, is the only white guy who goes down to Beale Street, yes. you know, to hear yes. the music because he's just drawn to the music because he just doesn't see anything else um, and stumbles into this underground club and he, following the sound. And the sound is coming from this woman on stage played by myself. And, and you know, he loves her and she loves him. And, 
it's 1950 and he's white and she's black and he wants her music on the radio and it's things take place. so incited by the point by that point or were you able to like during previews really get a sense of like oh my god it's happening for me like right now I I don't think I looking back now I don't think I ever got that like it's happening for me I was just so happy for my company for the writers for the piece and I was so thrilled to be there because I felt like no one knew her better than me right you know I mean no one knew Felicia Farrell better than me I just so desperately wanted her to be clear and to be accessible for so many people that I knew would understand her. How did your life change when the the show has opened and it's a huge success yeah. and everyone loves it and now you're just now it's your job. Like <laughs> and, but you're also like you're just instantly people are people know you you're a sensation you're soon to be nominated for a Tony award. How 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 was that experience different from, you know, standing by in the color purple? <laughs> <laughs> um um, it's crazy because, like, Standing by in the Color Purple was great, but then when I went on for Seeley, who is the centerpiece of that whole story, or Nettie, who is like a, a jewel in that crown, coming out of the stage door, it's the same. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, you, you have the house. You have that audience for the night. Yeah. Their experience includes you. And so that wasn't different. Like, you know, that experience in Memphis was the same. You know, you were leading lady for the night. Except in Memphis, it was every night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like two or three times a week or if somebody called out. Or right. It was like, yeah, no, it's you every night. I, that's probably your face. Yeah. Like, wrapped around the theater. Totally. Do you know what I mean? Kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, so, so that was um, very much the same. And to be honest... The, that beautiful time between the time I arrived in New York City and I got the color purple, going out into the regions and working at theaters, I was always playing lead roles. I was always playing lead lady. So I had a great deal of experience being at the front of a project. Um, That's so I, interesting. So that wasn't intimidating that, to you. That wasn't, the, that wasn't the hard part. The hard part is, is making sure that you are honestly physically fit and mentally sound enough and organized enough in your personal life to make sure the job gets done. Yeah, that's to me is the biggest um, is the biggest job. And did you feel ready? Did you feel Did you feel all of those things, or did you like were you like Oh God, I've got to get myself in shape now. <laughs> I felt ready. You are, must be one of the most fit humans I've ever seen. <laughs> you flatter me, Patrick. You're flattering a man of flattery. And it's sweetness. true, though. Have you always been like that, or did you at one point be like oh, Okay, I'm a leading lady on Broadway now. I've got to get myself. <laughs> you got to get it together. <laughs> you know, I was a, uh, an athlete in high school before I started studying acting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always come naturally to me, like movement. My father, you know, was a basketball player. He played in college. That's how, you know, he went to college. He had a basketball scholarship. Um, I ran track in in high school. So I've always had a a natural sort of sense of things. I have to say, you know, getting a a BFA in music theater, we had a very intense dance program um, at my my school, in my program. And so I took full advantage of that. It gave me an opportunity to really, you know, learn more about the body and how it can function um, less as an athlete and more as a dancing athlete. And and, and then that turns into an actor who is very sure of their body. Mm -hmm. That's very helpful. 
Um, and then, you know, it's, it's just taking care of yourself. I feel like my body and everything about it is an instrument for the work. And so while I tend the garden of the art, I also have to tend myself. You know what I mean? In the job that, that I do for a living, that's part of it. You know what I mean? How you look and, and where you land in terms of size and height and weight and all that jazz. Yeah. It's, it's part of it. It's not the only thing. But it's, you know, casting range is a casting range. Mm-hmm. So there you go. <laughs> Do you, I have to ask, did yeah. you wake up early to, like, watch the Tony Award nominations that year? <laughs> Truthfully and honestly, I'm probably going to be, you know, hung from the town square for this. <laughs> but we were working so hard, mm-hmm. and I was so tired. Like, not tired, like, I'm so tired of this. But, like, I, I really had to decide. Like, you're going to wake up at the crack of dawn and do this? Or are you going to let the people who work with you and for you, like your agents and your publicists and people, yeah. like, do their job and you just get some sleep? You know what I mean? Wow. And so I was dead asleep. That is, I mean, I got to tell you, everybody <laughs> says that. Every person we've had on this show that was nominated was like, yeah, my agents were like, I'm looking at my phone, like, why is it ringing? Leave me alone. It's 930 in the morning. Exactly. It's terrible. But yeah, only because I was like, I have a lot to do today yeah. for the wealth and the health of my career and this beautiful show that I care so much about. And I'm going to be my best self if I get some sleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'll leave the phone on and by my head. <laughs> but if it doesn't ring, I'm going to keep sleeping yeah, and still go out there and love my job. But if it does ring, it will be my publicist screaming <laughs> on the phone. And it was, love you, Lisa. Like yeah. on the phone. Oh, Lisa Goldberg. Screaming. You know, that it had happened. The nomination had come in, which was the most terrific news to wake up to. I mean, so do you remember that whirlwind of, like, the next, like, six weeks that happens of, like, the Tony craziness? Yes. Yes. And was it as insane as it sounds? It was as insane as it sounds, and I mean that in the best possible way. Yeah. It's wonderful, and it is a lot. It's so worth it, but it's what it is. I mean, the Tony Awards, Broadway, to me, is one of the world's stages. Mm -hmm. People from all over the globe look to these 13 blocks in New York City for marvelous things. Yeah. And once that happens for you, you're part of it. Whether you're in a Broadway show, a Tony Award nominee, a winner, so on and so forth, that's you're part of it now. Yeah. Yeah, and so then the, the Tonys happen and Memphis wins. <laughs> I mean, how how is it to... I, I, one of my best friends is in Kinky Boots and was from the beginning. So I saw it a little bit of the, the inside of like what happens when your show wins. Yeah. <laughs> how was that for you to be like leading this ensemble of this Tony-winning musical? It was... Crazy, Because the thing is, and I'm sure this is true of every single actor who finds themselves in a show that's been nominated for Best Musical or Play or so on and so forth, you believe in your piece. You believe in your piece. You know that you've given it your absolute best. Everybody involved has put their best selves into it, their best parts of their artistry into it. And so to have that recognized, first with a nomination, because that honestly is, is... so amazing. It's so grand. But then, like, a cherry on the top, if I might, yeah, is having your piece announced as, you know, best musical, best play. Yeah. And it was... It was... What is that first show back like? Do you remember? <laughs> it is 
I mean, people are just flying through the stage door, yeah. smiling, you know, shaking hands, screaming, hugging each other again, like it's that night all over again. Yeah. And for us, I mean, because we were at the Schubert, yay! Oh, what a great theater. What a jewel of Broadway. We were at the Schubert, so we come around the corner to the stage door, and fans of the show are already at the stage door, screaming, yelling, yeah. holding signs, you know, cheering us on, congratulating us, taking pictures. They just want to capture it, too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There were so many. We thought it was just us involved in, you know, the hopefulness of yeah, that yeah, moment. Yeah. But all of the fans of ourselves and the show were equally involved and invested. And so they came out in numbers to just scream and yell and, and rejoice with us. Oh, theater fans are the best. People who love theater are like the funnest people to be oh around. Gosh. Oh my God. The show on Broadway had such a long, beautiful life. Yeah. And you stayed with it the whole time. I know. Were you ever tempted to hang up your hang up your <laughs> shoes? Well, you know what's funny? Is that when you open it, you want it to have a long, beautiful run. And you don't know how long a long, beautiful run right. will be. Um, so I said to myself, enjoy this. Enjoy this piece. And what, I, what I've always treasured and liked about myself, and I feel like myself as an artist, is... And part of the maturity process is knowing when to step down from a piece and move on to something else. And I knew, always knew, that when it was time for me to hand Felicia Farrell and Memphis over to someone else, that I would be willing and able to do that. Um, so I said, enjoy it. Take it in as long as you want, as long as you can, and then be a good actor. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah, be yeah, a good yeah. leading lady yeah. and hand that over to someone and let them take this baton and run yeah. as fast as in, and as far as you've run with it. Um, and the beauty of it is I got to run the whole race. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. I was like totally hitting stride and, and we got we got a beautiful amount of time and I got to finish. Yeah. And I was still in great stride. So I feel very grateful for that. Well and you're also one you're like one of the few actresses who gets to like have a major role that you got to originate that you will always be associated with. That yeah. will always be your role. Yeah, in some way, shape or form. You know, I, I love the idea of sharing it with other women around the country and around yes. the world. And there's but there's part of me that's like, oh, she is, she and I are symbiotic, you know, Fee and I are symbiotic. Last question about Memphis. You can't understate the value of originating a leading role on Broadway. What what has that done for you? Wow. First of all, it's sort of a bucket list thing for for me. I can't speak for other actresses or actors, but it's a bucket list thing. Like if you had told me when I was a wee lass in acting school, you know, moving around Florida State University campus, go Knowles, um, (laughs) that, you know, one day this piece that no, that was yet to be written, you know what I mean, didn't even exist, called Memphis was going to come along and there was going to be a role in it that was really tailor-made for me and written on me and for me. Um, I would have said, poo-poo you. That's silly. That'll never happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then it totally does. So there's part of it, like an actor dream, you know what I mean? It's to, to be able to originate something. And getting the, getting the chance to put your fingerprints, your soul on something that lives well beyond you. And you get to, to, to make an offering to like the lexicon of leading ladies yes. and pieces that feature these marvelous, wonderful women who have these incredible lives. It's meant a lot to me. It's meant a lot to me. And it's given given me opportunity then to continue to flex my muscles, you yeah. know what I mean? To continue to originate. You gain a certain amount of trust um, from your community when you have that. Yeah. Because it, it's an undertaking. and It's a skill set. Yeah. You know? 
Um, and I'm very happy to say that I feel comfortable with it and would always want to include it in my body of work. Yeah. What, so what, 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 what are the roles you want to play? Like, what are, like, what are the other bucket list roles for you? Um, all of Shakespeare's women. <laughs> yes. All of Sondheim's women. Yes. Uh, top of the list would probably be Dot and Sunday in the Park with George. Yes. I very much love to, to work on that. Um, and then, you know... Any and every. Do you know, I just, all I want is someone who is interesting, who has a story to tell, and who lets me flex my muscles. Yeah. You know? Really, really great. Montego Glover, I I love you. (laughs) Thank you so much for being on the Theater People podcast. Kidding me? I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for having me. You have got to be, you have to be one of the people with the most positive energy I've ever met. This has been so, like, such a great, it's been like a a shower. It's wonderful. (laughs) Thank you very much. You're That's a welcome. tremendous compliment. Yeah. Thank you. Hopefully we'll get to have you back. I would love that. Anytime. Thank you. And good luck with It Should Have Been You. And Thank I hope it you. runs forever. It's just It deserves to run forever. It's such a great show. Thank you. Thank you. We'd love to have any and everybody. So come see us, guys. I'd love it. Yes. Hey there, fellow theater people. Time for another message from a Kickstarter Promote Your Product backer. This one comes from Letters from the Mezzanine. We at the Theater People Podcast would love to let our listeners know about a new theater review website called Letters from the Mezzanine. Letters from the Mez offers witty, fun, and thoughtful reviews on Broadway and off-Broadway shows. They also have interviews, think pieces, and a newly launched podcast in which creators Sarah and Norma have post-show talks in a funny, insightful way that only two best friends can. Visit lettersfromthemez.com. And I'm going to spell that out. That's L-E-T-T-E-R-S... F-R-O-M-T-H-E-M-E-Z-Z.com for more information and follow them on Twitter and Facebook. Thanks, Letters from the Mez. Theater People is produced by Mike Jensen and me, Patrick Hines. Mike edited this episode. Special thanks, as always, to Steve Tipton, Bradley Bean, our webmaster, Keith Rainwater, Ellen Marsh, and the staff at Oswald's. Theater People is listener-funded! That is thanks in part to Stina Pinsky, Eric Anthony Domingo Badike, Craig Nam Chong, Ariel Gringold, Victor Legra, Sarah Picard, that's my sister, you guys, Brad Dickey, and Becca Dolan Oves. Don't forget to tell your friends about us. Let's get the theater community talking. So